Greetings and happy holidays to each and every one of you. My name is Lee Andrus, and I'm part of the Revival Commission team. I am so excited about our midwinter camps coming up. I want to give you a quick update about what's taking place. We've been tooling and working behind the scenes, taking the vision, this God-given vision that is happening across our entire district that starts with our midwinter camp. And January the 12th and 13th, we begin our camp in Eau Claire, January 12th and 13th. What's going to take place, our service begins with prayer, powerful prayer that's led by our prayer coordinator, Brother Don Rogers, will be taking our prayer at 6.30 on Thursday night. Now, pay close attention to this because Friday morning, please hear me, Friday morning is going to be something totally awesome that's taking place. We have a main session going on with Rick Gonzalez. Rick Gonzalez will be speaking to everybody that's there. We'll kick it off with prayer. While that's going on, we have another session, a breakout session that's happening starting at 9 a.m., with Eugene Wilson's for senior pastor only, for senior pastors only. So that's one pastor from each church will be coming to this main session with Eugene Wilson. On Friday night, we kick off with prayer at 6.30. You want to get there early to get your seat because as soon as we're done praying, Bishop Booker is going to jump into and give us what he feels from God. And I'm telling you, this direction that our bishop has is of the Lord. It is every year, but there's been many confirmations that have been taking place behind the scenes that um, it is going to be phenomenal. And it just seems like God is doing something very special in this day. And there's going to be a special anointing. There always is, but there's a divine anointing that's coming up on this meeting. And so I want to encourage each of you to, to, to get there early, engage in prayer, and let's hear from what the Lord has to say. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you. Want to make plans to be there. That was January 12th and 13th. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our last Sunday service of 2022. This next Sunday is Christmas Day. So we want you to celebrate with friends, family, however you celebrate Christmas. We want you to take that time to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And then... The following Sunday is New Year's Day. We won't have service, but we will be meeting here New Year's Eve at 5 p.m. Um, as Pastor indicated last service, that we will be having communion that night. Um, we will be having fellowship afterwards with some finger foods. And we do ask that everyone participate in some way, whether it's a testimony or reading your favorite scripture or if you play an instrument, or just something. We would really enjoy to hear from you. Um, hallelujah. Uh, also, if you haven't signed up for cleaning the church, that sign-up sheet is in the back. Yes, today is Christmas for Christ deadline. We do still have some envelopes up here on varying denominations, so uh, please get those in today. Thank you. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings.
and joy. From God, our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. And when they came to Bethlehem where our dear Savior lay, They found him in a manger where oxen feed on hay. His mother Mary kneeling down to the Lord did pray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas, all other doth deface. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is a joyful time. Hallelujah. As we celebrate your birth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angels' chorus. That hailed the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. 
Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we proclaim you, Lord. Hallelujah. Your goodness, your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above while mortals sleep the angels keep their watch of wandering love oh morning stars together Proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his hand. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the Lord Christ enters in. O holy child, 
angels the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide in us, our Lord Praise God. We worship our Savior this morning because He came and wrapped Himself in flesh. Praise God for the sole purpose of dying on a cross in my place so that I could receive forgiveness of sins, so that I could have an eternity spent with Jesus Christ, my Creator, my Lord and God, my Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank You, Thou Most High God, that You stepped down off of Your throne that you came to earth and lived as, as we do, yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me that much. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. We worship Jesus every day of the year for this very reason. Because He suffered on a cross and died. But to do that, He had to come as a man. Because God doesn't have flesh and blood like you and I. And it requires the shedding of blood to remit sin. So he had to come as a man. This season is, is where we focus on that specifically. As a society, the Western world. But as biblical Christians, we celebrate that every day of our lives. That God wrapped himself in flesh and came and lived as a man. Praise God. He's an awesome God. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8 is where we'll get our scripture text. First scripture text. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8. And then we'll move just a few verses down from there to Revelation. A few more verses. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17. So it's crashing. Stand by, I'm having technical difficulties. Did I say Zephaniah three eight? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Yipper. Well, God is still good. Even if my precious electronics are not. That's a good idea. Get rid of them. There we go. That's the wrong one. I could... 
the other book, Second Zephaniah. Okay, here we go. Break time's over. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord. <laughs> Literally, wait upon me. Until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them in, mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured in the fire of my jealousy. And Revelation 6 and 17 says this, For the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? The great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? We're going to preach for the remainder of this time on this topic, the reason for the season. The reason for the season. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful that this works again. And I pray, Lord, that you would move mightily and wondrously and gloriously in this place, according to your perfect will. Help us to receive all that you have for us. Let your name be glorified today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1, this is where everything starts. Literally everything starts in Genesis chapter 1. We look at verses 26 through 28. The Bible relates this to us. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Genesis 1.31 continues and says, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Amen. He created everything. And the pinnacle of His creation was you and me. That was the icing on the cake. That was the topping. That was the crown. Humans. Mankind. The apple of His eye. And He looked on everything that He had made and He said, Behold, it is very good. Including us. Everything was very good. Everything was perfect. Sinless. Nothing was wrong. Everything was right. It was perfection. It was paradise. And God gave us dominion. We were to be His representatives on planet Earth. We were to be the conduits through which God would exercise His power and His authority in His creation. Genesis chapter 2, 16-17 continues. He says this, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here, God is establishing a covenant of sorts with Adam. You will serve me in this one commandment. 
You will demonstrate your love and your, your submission to me in this one area. <clears throat> the entire earth is yours. I'm holding this one tree back. Not even the tree, the fruit of the tree. You will demonstrate your love for me by staying away from the fruit of this tree. Don't eat it. When you do, you're going to die. That was the commandment of God. That was the word of the Lord that went forth from God Himself to Adam. Adam received that. Later, he teaches it to Eve. Not perfectly, we read. Or she didn't receive it perfectly. But she was aware of it. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, we read this. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? From this point forward, church, we see a fallen, fearful world. We see the sin curse came in. We're going to read about it in just a moment. And completely changed everything for the worse. For the worst. A worse thing couldn't have happened. Satan wins. God's perfect creation was destroyed. Everything God had intended to do with this is now gone. It's done. How can we come back from this? Sin has permeated everything now. We read in Romans 8, all of creation groans and travails in pain together until now, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. Waiting for this salvation to come. Because now it, it, it's pressed down under the, the burden of sin, under the sin curse. All of creation feels the effects of what Adam and Eve did in the garden in that day. And so do you, and so do I. That's where we start this out. Because God is perfectly just and perfectly righteous, He has to answer sin. There has to be an answer for rebellion. Has to be. Genesis three seventeen through 19 says unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God judged sin that day. He judged it. He told them. 
All you got to do is stay away from the one tree. That's it. Everything else is legal. Everything else is perfectly fine. Just stay away from the fruit of this one tree. But they couldn't stay away from it because it was forbidden. So they ate it. God told them what would happen if they ate it. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I don't know if they didn't believe him. They thought it was an analogy for something else. I don't know. But ever since this time, judgment was hanging over our heads. Ever since this one moment, judgment has always been right above us. Right in front of us. Because there's no way we can live justly, we can live righteously, not of ourselves. Like begets like. Kind begets kind. And the sinful Adam, the sinful Eve, begat sinful children. And so did their children after them. Our parents begat sinful children just like their parents did. There are no good people on planet earth. There are sinners and there are saints. There are no good people. Why callest thou me good, Jesus said. There is none good but one. That is God. God is good. And He's good all the time. We are not. We can be nice. We can be proper and civil. We can obey the law. But there's nothing good in us. Unless you count the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is good in us and it's great in us. But of ourselves there is nothing good. That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. This Scripture says. We read about this day of the Lord that's coming. The day of Yahweh. And it's never portrayed as something nice. Easy, enjoyable. It's portrayed as the judgment of God where His fierce anger is going to be finally released. We read it in several areas. I picked a few just to make the point. Zephaniah 1 and 14 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Nahum 1, 4-6 says, He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth in Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned in his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by Him. Church, I appreciate and I, I am thankful for the love and mercy of God. I am. And He is a God of mercy and He is a God of love. And He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there's coming a day, folks, that's going away. The merciful, forgiving Savior, is. if you'll forgive the analogy, He's going to hang that hat up for good. And he's going to assume the robes of a judge. 
And he's going to sit on his throne and he's going to open his books. And all men in all the ages from every walk of life is going to stand before him and give an account for their lives. There will be no mercy in that day. If you're not in the book, you're not in the book. If you didn't get in the ark, you're not in the ark. That day is coming, church, for you, for me, for all people. And of ourselves, there is absolutely no hope at all. None. There is no hope in us. One day we're going to stand before Him and give an account. The Bible says in Revelation, in that day, who is going to be able to stand? Jeremiah 46 and 10 says, This is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that He may avenge Him of His adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate, and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Revelation six fifteen through 17 We read verse 18. Or 17. And the, kingdoms, the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, the people all of us fear and are afraid of, and, and really respect, the billionaires, the, the, the politicians, maybe not you guys, but a lot of people do. And every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? Folks, this day is coming. The day of the Lord is just as sure as you and I sitting here today. It's coming. There's nothing that we can do that's going to stop it. He is going to execute His fierce wrath and judgment on sin. Make no mistake. But, thank God there's a but in here. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When I look at this situation of Adam and Eve falling into sin, when I see the, the absolute devastation of God's plan because of that one act, I'm thinking, how, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to... Everything is, everything is affected by this. The whole creation was affected by this one act. How are, you going to, how are you going to fix this? Well, God wasn't caught off guard, folks. He wasn't. He knew it was happening. And if you're asking the question, well, if you knew it was happening, then why did He do this in the first place? Why did He put Adam and Eve in that position? That's a story for another time. I've explained that already. Uh, if you're wondering, ask me after service. But, they were put in that spot and they failed. Demonstrating, of course, that even in... <laughs> you know, there's just not a lot in here. There's just not a lot, folks. Adam and Eve, there was no sin. 
there was no, they had no sin nature. They were perfect. They were sinless. The, the world system was perfect. It was sinless. All they had was some smuck coming up to them, telling them that maybe God has an ulterior motive here. That was it. That's all it took. That's all it took for humans to fail God. There's, there, there's nothing special in here, folks. There's, there's nothing but weakness. We're going to see later on in the millennial reign. Everything's perfect. The knowledge of God fills the whole earth. God is setting up His, His physical rule and reign in Jerusalem. He's going to be there physically. There's no, well, prove that God exists. Everyone's going to know it for sure because He's going to be there physically. He's going to be in charge of everything. The world system is going to be ruled by Him. <clears throat> and again, the only thing that they're going to have to deal with is when Satan is released. Their old natures. That's it. And Satan's going to very quickly be able to gather a bunch of people together that are chafing under the rule of God. There's no hope in us. None at all. We can't handle it when everything's perfect. And this is what God is dealing with. And He knew that. He wasn't caught off guard. Even though Adam and Eve failed perfectly. I mean, failed completely. Absolutely. They couldn't have done more to fail God than what they did. Even though that was the case, God was able to put it all back together. And that raises an interesting point. If God can put everything back together, the entire universe can be fixed by God. Can't we trust Him to fix our lives? Can't we trust Him to fix the situations we find ourselves in? He fixed everything. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. We see that demonstrated for the first time in Genesis 3.21 unto Adam also. And to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. They, they covered their own sin with fig leaves and made aprons. We can't save ourselves. We can't cover our own sin. It's going to take the setting of blood to remit sin. God instituted a substitutionary sacrifice that someone would be the propitiation for our sins. We read the most complete prophecy of that in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to take the time this morning to read the whole chapter. It's not very long. Isaiah says this, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many." For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That right there, folks, that's how he fixes it. That's how he takes care of it. And that's the reason for the season. I know it's a cliche now from Christian circles because of Xmas and Happy Holidays, taking Christ out of Christmas. And I hate that as much as all of you. But the reason for the season is more than just a babe in swaddling clothes. I'm thankful for the babe in swaddling clothes. We needed that. We needed him to come manifest himself in flesh. But the reason he did that was because I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. That's why he came. If it weren't for that, he would never have had to come. He would never have had to suffer on a cross and die except for the fact that I needed a Savior. And you needed a Savior. And they need a Savior. That's the reason for the season. And thank God, thank God that He loved us enough to do exactly that. The day of the Lord is coming. Absolutely. It's written in stone. But, James 5.7 tells us something. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, 
and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The day of the Lord is coming. Judgment is soon to come. It's at hand. But He continues to wait. He continues to hold that day off. He continues to prolong these days, waiting for the precious fruit, waiting for someone else to come to a, to a right relationship with Him, to enter into a covenant relationship with Him. He's waiting as long as possible to extend mercy, keeping the door of the ark open as long as possible so that one more person might come in. This is precious to God. Every soul is precious to God. You and I are precious to God. Everything that we go through, everything that we endure, every doubt, every fear, every uncertainty that we face, He faces it with us. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Don't think that He's not. He wants mercy. Even that angry Old Testament God declares time and time again, slow to anger and of great mercy. Slow to anger and of great mercy. But time can't go on forever. Someday, it's got to come to a close. Until then, salvation is free and it's available to everyone, whosoever will, because of the reason for the season. Because God wrapped Himself in flesh and came in the form of a man. Salvation is open to all people. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39 says this. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whatever we've done against God, However greatly we failed Him, and we have, all of us have, failed God. His desire is mercy, restoration, peace, joy, complete fulfillment. His desire is that we be elevated to the status of sons and daughters, children of the Most High God, 
That's his desire. That right there is the reason for the season. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, remember that. Keep that at the forefront of our minds. Enjoy time with family. Enjoy unwrapping the gifts and the presents. We're going to. But just remember why we're, why we're doing all of that. And thank God. Thank God when you're doing that. Thank Jesus that He did wrap Himself in flesh for the express purpose of being our propitiation, our blood sacrifice. He was sacrificed once for sin. And that covers everything. That that idea never ever gets old to me. The idea that the, the God that spoke everything into existence, the God that upholds all things by the word of His power, knows me, wants a relationship with me, stepped down off of His throne of glory, came into this world, hung on a cross, suffered and died for me. I can't, I can't ever allow that to, to become commonplace or I want to always be blown away by that. It's just he didn't owe me anything. If he owed me anything it was judgment. That's what that's what he owed me. The just punishment, the just punishment for my sins. But he loved us. Desired to show mercy to us. So he made a way. He fixed it. He fixed it. He fixes everything. Everything I've destroyed, everything I've broken, everything I've dislodged and, and, and warped. He's fixed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. If we could come to the front, those that can. We talked about worship during the first service. I think we have some things to worship God about, to thank Him for. So I want to take an opportunity now. We'll be meeting on on Wednesdays yet, but as my wife said, uh, this will be the last Sunday this year.
Let's take some time and worship in our own way. As individuals, as a church body, let's worship God. Let's thank Him. Let's praise Him for His mighty acts, His great mercy to the sons of men. Amen. He is a merciful God. And although judgment is coming, if we're in a covenant relationship with Him, that judgment has already been taken care of. And that's the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have to stand in judgment before God. Someone already did. Someone already stood in judgment in our place. That was Jesus Christ on Calvary. He stood in judgment so that we don't have to. Amen. When the day of the Lord comes, it's not coming for us. Praise God. That's good news. That is fantastic news. Jesus already took the just punishment of our sins on Calvary. They're paid for. They are forever and altogether paid. Paid in full. Praise God. That is is overwhelming. The more I think about that, I am overwhelmed by the goodness and greatness and mercy of God. Let's worship Him, can we? Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, for Your mercy. Thank You, Jesus, for Your grace that You are long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank You, Jesus, that even though we failed right from the very beginning, it didn't take us too long I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to understand the awesomeness, the complete totality of what You did for us at Calvary, the complete salvation that You purchased for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve. We know... We know from the Word of God that judgment, the judgment day of God is coming. That great day of the Lord is at hand. I am so thankful that You've provided not only us, but all people everywhere a way out. Judgment has already been paid. You already paid the price for it. We don't have to. We don't have to stand in judgment. But we've got to make the choice, Lord Jesus. We've got to make the choice to let You pay for them instead of us. We've got to enter into a right relationship with You. We've got to enter into a covenant relationship with You. Hallelujah, Jesus. We've got to repent. We've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. We've got to allow You to fill us with the Holy Ghost. We've got to live a holy and godly life before You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. But in return, I live forever with You. In return, I have peace that passes all understanding. In return, I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. In return, I can lay my head down at night assured that You have everything taken care of in my life. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't have to worry about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let my requests be made known unto God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We cast our cares on You because You care for us. <laughs> you care for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for, for the manger. I am so thankful for Calvary. I am so thankful for the relationship that You purchased for me. The relationship that I enjoy with You. Thank You for calling me to that. Thank You for initiating it. Thank You, Jesus. As this, this season progresses, I pray, Lord, that when we meet with family and friends and we enjoy time and fellowship with each other, don't let us forget. Let it be at the forefront of our minds what You did for us. What You do for us every single day. Hallelujah, Jesus. That You are altogether faithful. That You are altogether trustworthy. That You are altogether merciful. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for You. I'm thankful for all that You've done for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Continue to minister to Your people. Minister to them, I pray. Undergird them with strength. Continue to encourage them in the Lord their God. Help us, I pray, to learn to trust in You. To learn to rely upon You when our strength is gone. When our strength is gone. When our faith fails us. When we... When we come to a place of doubt or confusion, help us to rely on You, Lord Jesus, to lean on You, to give all things into Your hand. Hallelujah, Jesus. We trust in You. Our hope and our faith and our confidence is in You. It's in You only. I understand how weak I am. I understand the failings of my flesh. They're great and they are many. But You are perfect altogether. Thank You, Jesus. 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 You are a merciful God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You are a gracious God, but judgment is coming. Judgment has to come sometime. For those of you that chose to pay for these things themselves, give them a new heart, open their eyes, take the blindness from off of their hearts, help them to see truth. Help them to come to a place of repentance unto salvation, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. You died for them too. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let the ministration of Your Spirit be powerful in this place, I pray. Let it be powerful in this place, Lord Jesus. That you would minister, that you would undergird, that you would bless and strengthen and edify and encourage 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. We have a lot to be thankful for, church. We have a lot to be thankful for. No matter what's going on in our lives, the worst possible scenarios we can imagine, they are fleeting. They're but for a moment. And they work in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. These light afflictions are but for a moment. And then eternity. And then eternity. Folks, you blink twice and you're going to miss it. This goes fast. Some of you elders know, know better than I do how fast time goes. I'm just, I'm just figuring this out. It goes fast. It goes fast. And it's gone. It's done. And then eternity. Live this vapor. Live this fleeting life in such a manner that when we get to eternity, there are no regrets. None. Amen. Praise God. I pray that all of you have a very Merry Christmas, that you do enjoy time with family and friends. Uh, fellowship. Joke. Laugh. Do whatever it is you guys do when you're together. Amen. God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. God bless you. You're dismissed.